We all have dreams, but dreams by their very nature can be difficult to achieve. That's where Access Credit Union comes in. Whether it's going to college, owning a car or building your dream home, your local credit union can help you to fulfill your dreams. Access Credit Union. Funding dreams for over 50 years. Close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam Maguire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined, as always, by Star Sport editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. It's a busy one on this week's show as we look ahead to Cork's first appearance in an All-Ireland hurling final since 2013. On Sunday at Crow Park, Kieran Kingston's side will look to dethrone reigning champions Limerick, following on from the Rebels' impressive extra-time win over Kilkenny at the semi-final stage. In a few moments, we'll be joined by Michael Foley of the Sunday Times to preview the game. Later in the show, we're going to hear from Skibbereen rugby star Gavin Coombs, who just last month earned his first senior Irish international cap. Coombs is one of the hottest properties in Irish rugby, and he followed up his first cap with his first start against the USA just days later. But Kieran, we're going to kick things off this week with our All-Ireland Final Preview it's great to have Cork back on the biggest stage and even better that Town's Luke Mead is one of the marquee players in this young team. Mick Foley is the doyen of hurling writing in this country, so we might leave the heavy lifting analysis wise to him. But we might as well give our own thoughts and predictions too briefly. So ahead of Sunday's clash with the dominant Limerick, what sort of a chance are you giving Kingston's men? Is it a great first? You mentioned Luke Mead there. There's a West Cork angle into every sports story around at the moment. So Luke Mead doing great stuff there. The New Stone Club men. And of course, then you have the two Castellan footballers, Connor Cahillan and Damien Cahillan. They played a hurling with the Bears, but they're another link. So West Cork still, still doing what it does best on, on all the stages. And so, um, the goalkeeper, a uh, friend of the podcast as well, of course. Exactly. We, we pack on there on on the, the podcast earlier in this year. And he's been one of the, the real heroes of this team. Think back to his save, I think he was against Clare um, a couple of weeks ago. A superb save right at the end. So um, I'm looking forward to Sunday's final. Um, obviously, Limerick are favourites, and they're famous for a reason, because they're, they're the best team in, in the country right now. And Cork are probably a bit ahead of schedule getting to the final at this stage. They, they would have been fancied at the start of the year to get here, but they're here now, and it's a... It's a final, and like you said before, like you were, you were puncher's chance in a, in a final, Jackie. Anything can happen, but it's a very good Limerick team. You just think back to what Limerick did against Tipperary in that second half, um, again a couple of weeks ago. They turned a 10 point half time deficit into what was it 331 to 229, I think. Look at the stats there. Um, they blew Waterford away with a scoring burst in the second quarter in the All Ireland semi final. So, Limerick have it in the locker, they have their experience, they have the players, they know what it's like to win in All Ireland. So, they tick more boxes than Cork do at this stage. But for Cork to be in a final, it's just arbitrary for going forward um, because there's so many young, young players or relatively young players on, on this Cork team that they're here now and in, in it's an experience for them. Like that's not to say that they can't win, because of course they can. Um, so I think it's it's exciting going forward for, for Cork and Cork friends, but all Cork friends want them to win this Sunday, so we'll just have to see. Yeah, and I think that the fact that it's been so long since they've made the final, like 2013, when you think back, that's a long time ago now. So just to be back on the stage, as you say, is hugely important for the development of the players. Now, I don't want to say they're beaten already, because as... You've noted, and as everyone will note this week, it's a final. Anything can happen. But when you take the two semi-finals 
from a couple of weeks back. Kilkenny and Cork and Limerick and Waterford. Like Cork were pushed to the pin of their collar, pardon the cliche, by a Kilkenny side that took them all the way in extra time. It was a really, really tough outing for Cork, I would say. The sun was shining as well, so it would have taken a lot out of the players. I know they're supreme athletes and they've had two weeks to recover, but when you compare that to the performance Limerick put in against Waterford, it was like they were playing different games. And this is the Waterford side that many had pegged as the second best in the country this year. Limerick, it was men against boys, like uh, to, to use yet another cliche in that game, but it really was. Limerick looked on a different planet. And I thought before the Cork Kenny game that whoever was lucky enough to come out on top of that one, they were facing into a very, very difficult challenge when they met Limerick in the final. And I haven't really changed my mind too much on that one either. I was impressed by Cork, especially Shane Kington's performance. We don't have to dwell too much on that. Everyone saw what he did. He came on, he scored seven points from play, proved his father wrong or right, depending on which side you're looking at. So it'll be interesting to see whether he plays a part from the start. I'm sure you've touched on it with Mick, which we're going to hear now in a second. But yeah, it would, would um it would be great to see Cork win. It's always nice to see right, the colour, the colour and the night. Oh. Like kind of when you hear is it forty thousand fans up there now on, on Sunday, like when that Rebels chant starts, it's just incredible and stuff. And it does and you can see, like, obviously the Cork fans really get behind the hurling team and, and they will on, on Sunday. Like, they'll be like, that another cliche here, it's the cliche podcast, they'll be that 16th man, Jack, on, on Sunday. So if Cork can frustrate Limerick, if they can get a lead, like, it, it's not impossible at all. Like, it's far from impossible to picture Cork winning this game. And if you think for Patrick Horgan, like, that man made his debut for Cork back in 2008. Like, one of the top players the game has ever seen, and he's never won in All-Ireland. Um, he was there in 2013, eight years ago, when, when Cork lost to Clare. And now he has a chance. And he's surrounded by these up-and-coming young guns. And Cork have the firepower now. And they have the legs. And they have the energy to really ask questions of, of Limerick. And if we're looking for fairy tales for Patrick Horgan, what is he now? 33, probably, yeah? 33. To finally get his hands on a Celtic cross. Like, that's just like... Carlsberg don't do fairy tales. But if they did... I think Hoggy winning in Ireland, Ireland on Sunday would be, I don't think any hurling fan would in the country would begrudge him at all. No, I will say though, one thing Cork need to be aware of is against Kilkenny in the semi-final. Kilkenny had, I think, seven wides in the first half. They could have been out of sight, maybe not quite out of sight, but they could have been five or six points up at half time. And Cork's first touch looked off the pace in the first half as well. They have to guard against that against Limerick because if they slip up, even make one mistake, that's not a Kilkenny side that's at the peak of their powers. This Limerick side is at the very peak of their powers. If Cork aren't at the races from the start, they need to take their chances, but they also can't expect that Limerick are going to hit seven wides in the first half because it's just not going to happen. Because uh, if if you're looking at like Cork, we said Cork have a chance in this game, but everything needs to go right. They need to tick the boxes. They need... They need to get goals. And in fairness, this Cork team this year, they're scoring more goals this year than they have in the previous couple of seasons. But like, I think Jack O'Connor got four goals in the league. He got the goal against Kilkenny as well the last day. You've, you've Horgan there. You've Harnady starting to pour again. Like you have goal threats there. You've Kingston coming off the bench last day. Like you said there, Jack, with, with seven points. So Cork have this attack and threat, but everything needs to go right because we're talking about a Limerick team here that is very, 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 very good. You know, this isn't an ordinary Limerick team. This is a Limerick team that could maybe for 20 minutes be ordinary, but then just turn it on. Within five or 10 minutes, they could up one, five, one, six, and they just surge clear. So Cork needed it all to go right, but they have a chance. And as you will hear now from Mick Foley, he's given Cork a chance this Sunday, but he's very wary too and very cognizant of the fact that this is a really good Limerick team. Delighted now to be joined on the Star Sport podcast by Mick Foley of the Sunday Times. Look ahead to the, the huge game coming up this Sunday, Cork and Limerick in the Hurling final. First off, Mick, thanks for joining us on the podcast. No, pleasure to be here, Kieran. Thanks a million. Um, great time for, for Cork GA across, across both boards at the moment. Uh, let's look at the Hurling, the minors of the 20s and the seniors. Good time to be a Cork Hurling fan? Oh, sure, it's great. I mean, you know, they, they suffered... They suffered long enough, you know, to have to have a little bit of a to have a little bit of a bounce now. But I mean, I think there was a ten day period there around the Monster Football final, and the reason I'm thinking of the Monster Football final 
and the under-20s game against Offaly was because it was the only game, I think, out of 25 that Cork lost in any of the four, let's say, hurling football, ladies football and camogie at all the levels, which is phenomenal, you know, and have, you know, I mean, done so well in the Munster Championships as well across the board. It's, it's, it bodes very well, but obviously, you know, you know, particularly at underage level, we're talking about 17s and 20s, so it's a, there's there's a year gap that makes a huge difference. So it's, it's how they're brought forward now through this pathway, you know, and and made part of senior panels and see see how they how they fare there. Signs with the hurlers at the moment in terms of the way those players have been brought through is very positive. And you would have to say, as we sit here now, that Cork Limerick in an All Ireland final could well be precipitating a rivalry that will go on forward now for the rest of the decade. If you look at it, with, with, let's say the minors and the under twenties, what Kingston has done quite well is. A good few young fellas have come onto this Cork senior panel at the moment. You know, there's you've that influx of youth and the likes of you know, obviously Harnady and, and, and Pat Horgan there as well. There's a lovely balance in this team, but it's so important that it's almost that injection of youth has given even fans are a bit more buoyant and enthusiastic about it all. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, it's what I suppose, and you know, we're a long way from tradition now, but I mean, you know, I suppose traditionally what used to excite Cork supporters was uh, a lot of youth in the team a lot of energy a lot of a lot of drive um, and a kind of a a kind of a scallywag sort of a, an aspect to it as well where they play their own game regardless of what anybody else is doing and, and there was an element of that with Cork this year probably because they don't have the tools of a Limerick let's say to play a power game like Limerick do so they're going a different way but it is distinctively different and distinctively Cork I was chatting to uh, a former Cork hurler actually yesterday and we were both saying like if Cork put on blue jerseys and different helmets you'd still know it was Cork which I think is very important um, for a long number of years there I think Cork number one probably thought about the opposition too much at times but number, number two certainly struggled a little bit to find their own niche their own identity um, and they have in a, in a weird in a modern way the tradition has come in in the sense that Ultimately, they have gone back to doing whatever it is Cork do best in a given period of time. And right now, they have very—they're the, probably the fastest team in hurling when they when they hit their when they hit their marks. They're playing a style of play that absolutely suits them. When it goes, it's it's a knife edge style of play. When it goes wrong, it doesn't look good and it can be very damaging. But it's what suits them best, and they're going for goals, which I think is absolutely immense now when you come up against a team like Limerick. Um, goals are going to be massive for them, you know. And you mentioned, sorry, you mentioned there about the young lads. The deceptive thing about those young guys as well is that a lot of those guys have been there now for three or four seasons, you know. I mean, people have talked about Jack O'Connor, for example. Jack O'Connor came on in the All Ireland semi final in 2018 against Limerick, you know, so he's been around. Uh, Tim O'Mahony has been around a while. Mark Coleman obviously has been around a while. Darius Gibbon, Luke Mead. There's a cohort of lads who are barely in their mid 20s who have put down quite a, quite a bit of work at this point. Um, and now they're in an All-Ireland final. So, but, but it is, I mean, it's, it's that sort of, it's the energy of youth and it's sort of that, I think there's a drive there with Patrick Horgan as well being there. And I, I, I don't think there's anybody within or without Cork that wouldn't begrudge that guy in All-Ireland medal. So I think there's a bit of, that brings its own energy as well. Not so much trying to do it for Hoggy, but just that he's still there and what he's done down the years for Cork is extraordinary. And for him to be here now at a time when there's a young team helping to, to kind of share the burden a bit with him, even though he still obviously remains a hugely important element in the Cork team. What do you, what do you think has triggered the turnaround in Cork's fortunes? Think back to the last couple of seasons, Cork weren't next to near this level, to be quite honest, but all of a sudden, this year now, they have pushed on, like you made a great point there, about they're getting goals this year, they're getting a lot more goals this year than they have in, in the last couple of seasons. But what happened for, 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 for Kingston or for... for Whoever, whoever's involved to say, okay, we need to change tech here. We have to go down this route now. We've got to do our own thing. We've got to just focus on Cork, not, not about the opposition. Like, what, what was the light switch moment for this for this team and management? I think it's been coming, dropping slowly, Kieran. You know, like, I mean, if you rewind back a bit, I mean, they had a terrible period, really, during the, the middle part of the last decade where they, they, they suffered some very difficult defeats. Came back in 2017, um, were unlucky to some degree against Waterford uh, in the All-Ireland semi-final. Uh, it was a red card for Damien Cahillan with about 10 minutes to go on that game and the game just completely unravelled on them. Um, if they got to that final, you know, would would they have won it? It's a, I think there's a fair a fair shot. They would have got very close. Um, 2018, they run, they run Limerick incredibly close. Should have won it in normal time, didn't. 
Um, so there's, you know, there's been steps on the stairs all the way along. Um, what's changed? I think I certainly it's that injection of you. It's guys um, coming to coming to the boil in terms of their development. Um, I think there's been, I think there's been a huge emphasis on work rate. I think the one the one thing that could have been thrown a car consistently over the last bunch of years, and it was statistically proven, and you could see it with your own eyes uh, at matches. Uh, was that their work rate just did not match up to what was being accomplished by the likes of Limerick, the likes of Tipperary, uh, Galway. They just needed to really just pound harder and, and work harder. And I think they're doing that. They're they're hunting more in packs. Um, and just the whole game plan has come together for them. As I say, I, to me, it's still slightly on a knife edge. I mean, you know, I mean, they still lost eight points to, to Limerick. I was below in, in Limerick at the Gaelic rounds the day, the bit clear. Again, knife edge stuff, poor game. Um, both teams were in it, to, in it till the very end and it took a goal for Cork on one side and, you know Shane Barrett coming off the bench again you're talking about that that influx of youth as well pushing things along and then a great save from, from Patrick Collins and maybe Tony Kelly looking back might have might have made a different shot selection but it was a great save by Patrick Collins regardless um, so these things and then suddenly that's a sliding doors moment for them because suddenly they're faced with a Dublin team that's coming off the back of a COVID-affected Leinster final, um, who even at the best of times you'd be saying, well, look, Cork uh, should certainly be able to put it up to Dublin. Um, even though Dublin had, had come together quite well this year, they win that. But it is a slight, it's a huge moment. So they get that chance. It's a Kilkenny team. That's not the Kilkenny team of old. It's still finding itself. It was probably maxing out on what it was. It was maxing out on what it had. Um, and then come the All-Ireland semi-final, you know, Kilkenny's bench has been brilliant all year. Kilkenny's bench was not brilliant in the All-Ireland semi-final. Cork's bench was excellent. So things tilted Cork. Well, they didn't tilt Cork's way. Cork tilted things their way. Um, but it was when the opportunities have come this time around, they've taken them. You know, They took their chance against Clare. They took the chance against Dublin. They toughed it out in a big way against Kilkenny. I think that extra time win and the nature of it, conceding the goal later on and coming back and just holding their heads and, and just holding their focus to push on because they were they were the better team in normal time, clearly the better team in the second half, and they carried that through to extra time, which was massive for for a team, um, you know, building the self-belief to go into an All-Ireland final. You mentioned the bench there, especially against Kilkenny, I think it was 11 points off the bench and Shane Kingston got seven of those. So I'm going to put you in the managerial hot seat now. Would you start Shane Kingston next Sunday or would you hold him in reserve? Well, I think I would start him. Um I think I would start him um, on the, number one on the basis of the performance, number two on the basis that um, the, rest, the rest of the forward line, maybe there was enough guys in that forward line who didn't quite function for the totality of the game to put themselves in a position where they may not be selected for the final. So um, I, I would start him personally. Um, the problem with Shane Kingston perhaps is that consistency has maybe been an issue down the years, the last couple of years. But again, he's, you know, he's a young player, you know, I mean, and Kingston, he's another guy who's been around a while, but he's still young. He's still getting that seasoning, you know, that, that kind of, you often hear it with guys um, who start young like that. Um, I remember, I remember very well talking to Jack O'Shea actually about this, about Dara O'Shea with the Kerry footballers. Like when Dara started out, started very young, mid nineties. I mean, he was there, he was on the field the last time Cork won in Killarney, like, uh, but he was still there many, many years later. And Dara used to go 100 miles an hour through a game, but he'd disappear out of it. And Jacko used to be always telling him, you know, you've got to learn to wear yourself through matches. You have to, you know, pace yourself through games, particularly playing midfield, so you'd always be a, an influence. And it's the same the same thing applies to, to hurlers and footballers in their early 20s. It takes a couple of years to figure out how to wear yourself through matches. So the likes of Shane Kingston is a very good example of a brilliant, brilliantly talented hurler um, who has been up and down um, in the early part of his career. And it could well be that a performance like last Sunday um, could well be the kind of, the catalyst for him, you know, to move, to push forward now and, and be more consistent in his play. But uh, I think he certainly worked, I certainly, certainly worked starting. I mean, they, they will have options, whoever they, whoever, whoever they leave off, they have no created options for themselves. So it's a very good position to be in. Nice, nice, nice dilemma to have, you know. Even mentioned too about some of those players like Kingston who've been around a bit and are taking their chance. Sean O'Donoghue is another fella. He's really stepped up this year. Like, look at Pat Collins in goal. 
He was understudy for so many years under Nash, got his chance this year. He stepped up as well. So you've had that. And that's good to see, too, that these lads have the character to step up. And then once they have stepped up, they're good enough to take it on. Exactly. I mean, Sean O'Donoghue has, again, another one who's been there a few seasons. His first season, excellent. Um, and I've, I've always had a, a soft spot for him. I think, he's, I think he's a very, very good defender. He's kind of in an era when, um, you know, you need to be a multi-purpose hurler. And he is a multi-purpose hurler, but he certainly has that. He has all the traits of a traditional cornerback in that kind of, you know, sticky marker, minds his own patch. He, he, he's given a job and he usually, he's very good to, to, to accomplish it, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, guys have taken, Patrick Collins has been excellent in goals. Um, no question about it. Um, so yeah, it's it's just, I think it's, a, I just think it's a, it's a combination of getting the right games at the right time, players coming together, at, 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 at the right moment, I think from the management point of view, I think that they would have been under pressure coming into this year as well, um, that they needed to deliver something, not in all Ireland necessarily, but they needed to, to deliver, uh, even withstanding the fact that last year obviously was COVID disrupted, but they needed to show a certain element of progression um, and they, they certainly have done that. And I, I, would, I would have thought that in terms of the way they've prepped the team and the way they've gone at things has, has probably... You know, they've upped their game as well. It's, it's a combination of all sorts of bits and pieces. We've given a plenty of encouragement here, Mick, for Cork fans listening to this podcast. <laughs> now, now let's talk about Limerick. This is a really, really good Limerick team. Take out 2019 against Kilkenny, that's in the final. They could be going for it four in a row. Like they're, they're such a strong unit. They beat Cork in the league this year. They beat, beat them in the Munster semi-final. How good are this Limerick side? Oh, well, they're, out, they're outstanding. Like, uh, clearly, I mean, it's, it's almost... It almost seems lazy to just say they're outstanding, you know. I mean, the the, the caliber of their performances over the last couple of years speak for themselves. Um, I think the 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 way they came back against Tip, um, you know, when when I suppose when when this team is finished and when we can all stand back and look back and go, well, what, what was peak Limerick? I think that Tipperary performance will will be right there in the reckoning in terms of peak Limerick, which in its own way might be something for Cork to cling on to because have Limerick hurled their best already this year, you know? I was at the All-Ireland semi-final, uh, I was covering the All-Ireland semi-final against Waterford and, you know, Waterford, un- understandably and un- unsurprisingly, threw absolutely everything they had at them in the first 20 minutes. You know, this is their fourth game of four weeks. Whatever they were going to get out of Limerick, they were going to get out of it. They were going to get it in the first half and they absolutely flung everything at them. They did all the hurling. They had Limerick's half-forward line under pressure. They had Limerick's half-back line under pressure. They really turned the screw everywhere they possibly could. And yet, when the dust settled, I looked at the scoreboard and Limerick were four points up. So I, I, it's something that, you know, I've particularly kind of noticed in the last couple of years about teams hurling and our footballing through a crisis. You know, what are you doing when things aren't going well? You know, are you letting the scoreboard get away from you? Or are you chipping the odd point or two just to keep yourself there? And Limerick were just brilliant at doing that against Waterford. Like, I'm not saying the game was getting away from them, but I mean, you know, Austin Gleeson at full forward looked like he had a huge game in him. But, you know, Dan Morrissey was still finding his way through the game. Keen Lynch wasn't really in the game. Kyle Hayes wasn't in the game the way you'd expect him to be. Um, some of the Bennets were really putting it up to them. Uh, you know, there was, there, was a, there was a bit about Waterford, but Limerick just kept doing what they do. They just kept walking through the processes. They just kept you know, doing the right thing when they got on the ball and eventually the gap started to open and Keane Lynch slipped through for a couple of scores. Peter Casey was very good. Seamus Flanagan was outstanding. Aaron Galan, superb. So like, they're just so very good now and they have such complete and utter belief in their game plan and in the guys around them that they can weather these storms and they will be expecting, I have no doubt that they know that Cork are probably a bit closer to them than the Munster Championship game would suggest. Um, I would say that there is possibly enough friction there between the two teams. And I mean, uh, I don't mean that in a sort of a bad blood way, but just there's enough competition between the two teams that Limerick won't be complacent playing Cork. You know, I mean, it's it, they're not at that stage, even though we are talking about a generational team. This is, if, certain, without a, if, it, if they've not done it already, certainly winning the All-Ireland uh, on Sunday will establish them as the greatest Limerick team of all time out beyond the team of the Mackies and, and the Jackie Powers and all of those guys and the, and the team of the 70s, Cregans and, and, and all of those. Just their sheer return in terms of most of the championship leagues in all Ireland will put them out in front. They will not be, they will not be complacent going in against Cork. 
they just have this rootless streak as well. When you think back to the two goals in injury time in the semi-final against Cork, you said that second half performance against Tip, they were 10 points over the half time and what they wouldn't have won the end. Even against Waterford, like you said, the last day, four points apiece after 20 minutes, then by half time, they're eight points up. They can just hit this purple patch to spree, blow teams away. So how do Cork live with that then? Like, how do you not succumb to this Limerick scoring burst if, if, if it does materialise? It's kind of it's kind of the psychological equivalent equivalent of hammering the hammer, I suppose. Like in that in that idea that well, how how do you counteract the opposition? You go after their best. You you try and really challenge their best player on the field. Well, mentally, you try do a Limerick on Limerick. You just stick to your plan. You know you don't 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 worry about it. if Limerick goes seven eight points up, just keep going. Just keep going. Um, believe in what believe in what you're there to do. And I mean, the thing about Cork, as I say, is I think it's going, Cork are going to have to score at least two, if not three, four goals to win this All-Ireland. So that won't change. Like if, if Limerick tear off in front of them, what's the difference? You know, we, we, we're, you know, we, we're still, we, we know what we have to do here. Um, and also I think, you know, I mean, there may be, there may be an argument there to say, well, Limerick have been, have had to make some, have, have had to make some comebacks and particularly the Tipperary game, of course. The Waterford game, I mean, they had to get, it wasn't so much that they were completely on the rocks and, oh my God, what are they going to do? I mean, they had it well in control by half time. But they have been sort of, um, they have been sort of pacing themselves to sort of overtake the opposition on maybe the second last lap out or the last or whatever lap out, you know. Um, if Cork can start well and really, really put it, really put it up to Limerick and put it up to Limerick in terms of the scoreboard, um, that may ask questions, you know. I mean, there are things people will expect to happen, particularly on the big day. They would expect Kyle Hayes to be a huge influence. They would expect Keane Lynch to be a big influence. After the last day, they would expect uh, Seamus Flanagan to really to really do something. What, what if, like, I think Robert Downey's been having a very, very good season. There was question marks about him before the Kenny games, which I couldn't really understand. Again, I think he's, I think he's one of these kind of, he's a very sticky fullback in the kind of traditional sense of it, you know? Um and I think he's been having a very good year. Just, I mean, if Cork can start well and put some question marks in front of Limerick. I mean, the one thing, and obviously, look, in the modern game, as they say, like, it's a different, it's a different thing. You need, you need so many, you need so many things going on and going right for you in terms of your prep, in terms of your mental outlook and attitude. And it takes a lot of the traditional elements out of it. You know, you know, Limerick won't be afraid of the red jersey, but they will be aware of the fact that they're playing Cork. And if Cork start well and the crowd rise to meet them, they will be very aware of playing Cork in an All-Ireland final. And it will be a huge challenge to Limerick, regardless of, of their greatness, in the same way to Cork. I mean, it was there was a moment towards the end of the game against Waterford. The game was well won. And um, Waterford had a chance to score a goal. And Limerick just no way were they letting it in. I mean, I, I think the Sean Finney cleared it off the line and then there was another chance and they bet that one out. The roar of the Limerick crowd when they got up. I mean, it was just, you know, a small crowd in Crow Park, but I mean, it just rattled the roof. They're on, they're on a high. And, and if, if, if Limerick get on that roll again, it will be a huge challenge to Cork to try and stem that tide. So I think that, I suppose, the, the, the cure is to get out in front of it. You know, turn Limerick around, get them, get, get, get in front of Limerick and get Limerick chasing you in a big way. And we know that they can catch you, but that's your best bet. Prediction time. So, can you see Cork winning on Sunday? I can certainly see them winning. I mean, look, the average percentage call is Limerick. I mean, they have it on every line of the field. You would have to say they they have it over over Cork um, on paper. But look, you can ball that up and throw it out the window once once an All Ireland final starts. Who knows? Who knows what's what's going to happen? What 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 would tilt me towards Limerick really is there's just their strength around the middle third in particular. Um, where Cork, you know, Luke Mead and Dara Fitzgibbon have been kind of wearing their way into matches. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure that they're quite at the level of Will O'Donoghue and Dara O'Donoghue in, in particular. Um, those two again were a huge driving force for Limerick in the semi-final in terms of just ordering things and getting things back where they wanted them to be. Um, you know, obviously you've got their half line then of of, of Hegarty, Lynch, and Tom Morrissey. Tom Morrissey hit, you know, five points the last day. And it was it really was the difference between a trimming and a hammering, you know what I mean? Uh, if that makes sense, uh, he 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 just got the scores that really just knocked Waterford back on their heels and just m- kept that scoreboard ticking over, particularly in the latter stages of the first half, early stages of the second half, and just took the game away from. Them. They have those players, um, their half back line, 
very, very strong. They have it, they, they, they have it everywhere. Um, the hope you would have from a Cork perspective is that um, they find ways to slalom through them. That this, again, they stick to their plan, that uh, the occasion doesn't get to them. And I don't think it will. I think that they'll be mentally ready for it. They have enough experience. They've played Limerick and Croke Park before and gone so close a few years ago that obviously just changed in the team since. But look, goals, 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 goals. That's 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 the key for Cork. And if they can get those, they could very, very well make that they will certainly make a game of it and they could very, very well nick this one out of Limerick's lap. And if they do, it will be an extraordinary victory for Cork. And it will be a game changer in terms of the way we view the hurling landscape right now. You have me believe in Mick. Thanks very much. Enjoy the game on Sunday. I will. Thanks, Karen. Thanks very much. We all have dreams, but dreams by their very nature can be difficult to achieve. That's where Access Credit Union comes in. Whether it's going to college, owning a car or building your dream home, your local credit union can help you to fulfil your dreams. Access Credit Union. Funding dreams for over 50 years. Skibbereen's Gavin Coombs had a season to remember last season, culminating in him picking up his first senior Ireland international caps. He was also named Munster's Men's Player of the Year, so sky seems to be the limit for the man from Bessborough. Kieran, this interview actually took place in the days after his big moment in the green shirt, and Munster have since started back training but what a moment that was for Skibbereen and West Cork Rugby uh, Incredible to see Gavin Coombs first making his debut in the final week scoring his first try on his first full start for Ireland like I know we're, the, the new season is kicking off in September but looking back to last season what a breakthrough campaign it was for Gavin Coombs he won the Munster Men's Player of the Year 23 years of age the youngest ever player to win that award scored a record number of tries for Munster in a single season he had the most appearances last year as well. He was just a force of nature in that campaign. And as you'll hear now from the interview quite soon, he was, um, which was done in the days after his first try, he was buzzing, but he was also looking forward to the new season and wanting to build a net. Gavin does not want to be a one season wonder. And he'll tell us that now in the next couple of minutes. He wants to build on what he did last year. And all the signs are there that he will just kick on. Um, that Munster number eight jersey is free now. Obviously, CJ Stender has exited stage left. He's gone back to South Africa. So if Munster are looking for their next number eight for the next five, 10 years, step forward, Gavin Coombs, like he showed us last year, what, what, what he's all about. Um, it was a good chat. It, it was a good few weeks ago now that we, that we spoke. And we've had this in the can for some time now. That's because Gavin's first cousin, Paul O'Donovan, was doing what he was doing over the Olympics. So kind of... Um, Talk about genes in, in, in a family like to have Gary and Paul O'Donovan and their first cousin is Gavin Coombs. If you combine the two of them, you would have the greatest heavyweight roar in the world ever or you'd have the slippiest rugby player you could, you could ever see, like if you could just get, get them off of them. But um, no, incredible stuff by Gavin Coombs. And like you hear now, he's in great form and he's ready to kick on. We're now joined on the Star Sport podcast this week by the man of the moment, Gavin Coombs, the, the Skibbereen rugby player who's gone all the way from Skib right up to the top, to Munster and to Ireland. And he's after an absolutely terrific season. Welcome to the podcast, Gavin. Thanks, Karen. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. We had a chat last year. It was June, actually 2020, during the lockdown. I was talking to yourself and your first cousin, Liam, um, for a piece for the star and I was just reading through it there before we were having this chat and just at the, right at the end you said we've got there now and it's time to kick on and that was before the season that you had and it's it's fair to say like you've kicked on in some style Gavin have you had a chance to make sense of what you've achieved in the past year? Uh, to be honest no I haven't really had a, had time to sit there and reflect I think uh, maybe the next couple of weeks I might do that but um Everything just happened all of a sudden. I started getting into the team, started playing well and and then getting picked for European games and then being up in Irish camp for a week in the Six Nations and and then that game against Toulouse and the game against Leinster. And uh, no, I haven't really had time to reflect yet, but uh, it's it's been a mad one. I, I didn't expect, when, when I gave that interview, I really, I didn't expect to be in the position I am now. So I'm delighted. We've all been following you, obviously, from, from the sideline and cheering you on and, 
it's it's incredible that season that you had, Gavin. I was reading a stat there. You three starts and 15 appearances in the previous two campaigns, and in the season just gone, you were Munster's leading appearance maker. Um, you've start, you featured in 22 of the 25 games. There were 17 starts there. There was obviously the, the record 15 tries as well. You won the Munster Men's Player of the Year. Like it's been a sensational season. But what do you think the difference was compared to what had gone before? Uh, I think it's just luck, really, uh, Kieran. Um, you have to be in the right place at the right time, and you have to be ready to take your opportunity. And I felt at the start of this year, I was um, during lockdown. I really I worked hard on my fitness and my strength. And when the opportunity came, the lads were away for a longer period in November, so CJ was gone and Pete was gone, and that gave me a real chance. And uh, I was lucky enough to get a run of games. And I I always felt in myself that. If I could get a run of games starting that, uh, I'd be able to show what I was able to do. And thankfully, I got that chance and the opportunity came and I took it. So, you know, it's all about timing, Kieran, you know, in sport. And I was lucky that uh, in one sense that the pandemic happened. But I know it's, it is disappointing otherwise that there was no crowds and stuff, but it gave me my opportunity. So uh, I was lucky that way. Was there any one game with Munster where you felt or you realised, okay, I wanted something here, like I'm, I'm showing my work that I can not only start in this Munster 15, but I can become an integral part of what we're trying to do here? Well, before the before we actually got locked down, I was coming off the bench and I thought I was putting in a few good performances off the bench. Uh, so that really motivated me for, for when we were coming back. And then I think the first game of the season, uh, we were losing against Scarlet's away. Uh, and I felt I came on and I, I made a big impact on that game. Uh, and then I started the following week against Cardiff and got two tries and I felt that maybe uh, maybe I am good enough for this level and, and that gave me real confidence in to kick on from there. You were an absolute try machine last season. Like I said, you got 15 tries for Munster. It's, the, it's a record. It's the most ever scored by a Munster player in a single season. Did you even surprise yourself by the number of tries you were racking up by the end? Uh, I did a bit, yeah, but look, uh, I suppose I was the lucky one at the end of them. They were all from about a metre out. I think I, every try I scored was five metres or closer, except for the last one against Ebrey. So, uh, you know, it's it's a bit of luck. It's a bit of timing, like I was saying. So, But um, that was, it was something I worked on as well, uh, finishing in close. So to see that coming off was, was uh, satisfying as well. Before we chat about Ireland and your debut and your try recently, I want to go right back to the start to to Skibbereen, where it all started. Like your family, Gavin, it's 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 a rugby family. Your your dad played with with, with Skib Juniors. Your uncle did. Your aunt Meg was the first lady president of Skibbereen Rugby Club. Your first cousin Liam, and um, he came up through the ranks together, and you both at Munster together. Was rugby your first love growing up? Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> and Skibbereen RFC probably would have been my first love. Uh... We would have all, my dad would have been heavily involved in coaching the junior teams and I had cousins on the first team. So <clears throat> we were always at, at games every Sunday. Even when I was very young, we would travel to every away game. And I suppose being on the sideline of those games, I really developed a love for rugby and and probably got a few extra training sessions in as well. So it was good. Um, but no, like a uh, rugby mad family. Uh, so I suppose it was driven into me from when I was young. And you told me before, even at, like when you were five, six, seven, you were on the sideline at those games and yourself and Liam were, were, were throwing the ball to each other. Like even from that early age, like rugby was such a big part of, of who you are. Yeah, I always would have said I wanted to play professional rugby and I would have had a few people laughing at me. But, you know, uh, I was lucky enough I had the support of my family and my parents um, to drive me halfway around the country to, to achieve that dream and you know, forever be grateful to them. And was there ever any other sport that you kind of, you dabbled in? I know Liam played at Ireland Rovers for a bit and obviously you have two first cousins there who are fairly handy at the rowing. So did you ever, did you ever try out different sports or, or was it always just rugby? No, no, I had my hand in everything. Uh, I think that was one thing my parents didn't want me just to be playing the one sport. So I played a bit of basketball, so I would have had a rugby game on a Saturday morning, a basketball game on a Saturday evening in the winters and then uh, play a bit of football with Odom and Rasa, um, but I played up till about minor. And then when I went to Bandon Grammar as well, I played a small bit of hockey. So 
I tried my hand at a few different things, but rugby was always number one. It was actually a great lesson that, Gavin, for, for kids and even parents listening to this podcast now to, to let their kids try different sports because some kids are late developers in some sports and they might find their feet later on. Other kids might, might start young. So the more sports you play when you're younger, probably the better. So you get a taste of everything before you make a decision. Yeah, I fully agree. I think you get a, a broad skill set from from all different types of sports. Like basketball will be very good now for your hand-eye coordination, your skills and and football for your running and, and kicking and stuff like that. So, you know, you're going to pick up different things from all different sports. So um, why not when you're young, you know? How did you find the football with O'Donovan Rasa? I'd say they're looking across at you now saying, Jesus, we, we could do with him right now. I know, I've, I enjoyed it very much, to be honest, yeah, but... As I said, rugby was always number one. So when it came to picking one over the other, it was always going to be rugby. And, and with Skib on that journey you took from minis right up to where you are now, you had some great success with underage Skibbereen teams. And um, that under-15 season is the one that jumps out. Skib won the under-15 South Munster League and Cup. And um, what was so special about that season and that team? I think we just had a very talented group of players like <clears throat> lads I felt that was the stage where we were either going going up and trying to make it a monster or not and I felt like there's probably lads there that could have tried to go further if they wanted because there were some seriously talented players in that group and I suppose uh we just just winning like just makes it more enjoyable doesn't it and um yeah like I said some of the players in that group were phenomenal so I think we we lost one game that whole season so uh, to do that is is a is a good achievement. And obviously, like you said, there, like Skibbereen Rugby Club has been so important to to your development. That's where you were equipped with the talents and the skills and the mindset to go on and do what you have achieved. So, um, as much as Skibbereen is so so proud of what what you're doing right now, Gavin, you must be indebted to the club too for giving you that that building block and stepping stone to go on and do what you've done. Oh, definitely. The the time and. And resources they've put into me but not just me Liam and, and every other player that goes through the club I think they give the same attention to everyone so I, I will forever be grateful and, and I'll always be showing my face around there for whatever they need me for and and hopefully you know I can give back to the club in whatever way they want um, now I'll forever be indebted to them they what they've done for me is massive and uh, I couldn't have asked for more really growing up and another part in your development was your time at Bandon Grammar School. Again, it probably exposed you to a higher level of rugby as well. And it was another important step in the journey. Yeah, I've, I, I really enjoyed my time there. Um, and, you know, towards the end, I think when I was in sixth year, we joined the Senior Cup. So to get exposed to that was, was big, you know, playing against the best players in the province at that time. So. Uh, and to be able to come through the school system, I think, was was a big help as well. So, um, you know, it was it was very important for me, and it was a it was a good space to learn to learn the game and maybe get a few different coaches that I wouldn't have had in Skibbereen. You said there earlier too, Gavin, that it was your your dream from a very young age to be a professional rugby player. When do you think you you actually realised that it wasn't just a dream; that it was actually possible? It was a realistic aim and target for you to achieve. Uh, well, I would have played the, the Munster 18s, Munster 19s. And then uh, when I was leaving school, I was uh, offered an academy contract. So I suppose once you get offered that, you realise, you know, you're in the system now. And if, if you go hell for leather, you have a real chance of making it. So I suppose it was once I got that academy contract, I decided, you know, this is it. I either go all in or, or I don't. And... Uh, that was probably the moment really when I, I decided I have, a, I have a crack at this. And you definitely went all in and you're reaping the rewards now. And just want to ask you something about Darren Sweetnam as well, because if we're talking about West Cork before the current, um, I suppose, the explosion of rugby here, West Cork is seen as the, the heartland of Gaelic football in Cork. It's, it, it, was, it was never seen as a, as a rugby stronghold, but all that has changed over the last couple of years. If you go back to Darren, joining the Munster Academy, I think it was back in 2013. That just seems like such an important moment because it did show everyone in West Cork that, look, here's a fellow from Dunmanway um, with a GA background, but he's good enough to, to play for Munster. So it was connecting the dots between West Cork and Munster. So 
looking at someone like Darren and the journey he went on and what he achieved, did that, do you think, offer hope to, to young boys and girls all over Munster to say, yeah, we can, we can follow in his footsteps? Yeah, definitely. I remember uh, looking up to him when I was in school and seeing him get that contract when he came out of school. And I remember, you know, thinking that that it is possible if you if you come from West Cork, from Bandon Grammar, from any club in, in West Cork that, you know, Munster aren't just looking at the traditional paths that there's opportunities for anyone if you're good enough. So I think Darren really showed that. And look, you can see what's followed. I think there's been seven or eight lads from West Cork to follow his footpath. So, look, uh, obviously very disappointing for him that his time here ended this year and uh, he's off on another adventure out in France and I wish him the very best of luck out there. Tom Savage of Three Red Kings coined the phrase West Cork Mafia and I think it's uh, it's after catching on because, like you said there, there's seven or eight lads up at the Munster set up at the moment. Um, what's it like up there to be surrounded by fellas from 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 Bentry, Inishannon, Ross Garbery, Skibbereen? Like, it's from all over West Cork. So is there a very strong West Cork click up there at the moment? I know, it's nice to have lads from home, you know. You can you can chat local chat rather than just, uh, you know, trying to fit in with the lads. But no, it's, it is nice to have lads, you know, to have come through the same journey and travel the same roads as you as you say you know um but you know everyone everyone from west cork is very proud to be from west cork so i think that there's always you're always going to be back in that fella beside you you know where he's come from and you know what he's going to do for you so you know you have that trust in him so i think uh there's a very strong bond between all the west cork lads but uh look there's probably a strong bond between the whole squad as well so but as you say, it is it is nice to have uh, to have lads, you know, that have come through the same way you've come through to to be up here with you. Now, why do you think, Gavin, at the moment there is so many players coming through from West Cork? Like there's Gavin and Josh, uh, or sorry, there's Finian and Josh Witchley out in Bentry. You've John Hodness in, in Ross Carberry, Jack Crowley in in Shannon, Liam obviously Liam Coombs from Skibbereen as well. Keen Hurley, Clan of Kilty now too is, is starting to make a name for himself. Why do you think there's all of us, it's not all of a sudden. It's like a, it's a long overnight success story. But why is West Cork now producing so many talented, talented rugby players? Uh, I think it goes back to the clubs um, and the the coaching and the time and development they've put into the players and into their mini setups and their underage setups. Uh, I think that that really shows now that the players are coming through. Uh, they're obviously, <coughs> it's it's all about development at a young age and I think the clubs are putting a lot of work into it so I mean the credit has to go to the clubs really I think um, yep and just like you said there when you were younger you, you looked up to Darren what he did now you've kids all across West Cork looking up to you Gavin and looking up to Finian as well who made his Ireland debut recently um, to see local lads to go to the very very top and make their Ireland senior debuts in, in the last couple of weeks is quite phenomenal. So let's go to that game against Japan a few weeks back in the Aviva. 70 minutes in, you were beckoned off the bench to make your Ireland senior debut. What was it like running onto the pitch that day? Uh, I don't, I was I was itching to get on, so you know, it was kind of a blur around when I actually came on. I was looking at the clock from 60 on and every minute I was waiting, waiting, waiting. And when I got out my chance, uh, yeah, no, it, was, it was class. Um, and I have family and friends up. Do you know, because I haven't had them all year, um, it was pretty cool. Uh, so it was, it was very enjoyable. There was some experience coming on for Pete as well, who I would have looked up to probably my most of my playing days growing up. Um, to come on for him was pretty cool as well. Um, but no, yeah, it was very enjoyable. And to have family and friends and members from Skibbereen Rugby Club up there, to, to share that moment with you, to be in the crowd in Deviva and, and to watch you come on. That, that, that must have been quite special too because for the last season, it's all been behind closed doors. You've had this incredible breakout campaign for Munster, yet you've been playing in front of empty stadiums and you're, everyone's been cheering on watching from TV. So to share that special moment with your nearest and dearest must have been uh, quite a nice touch as well. Yeah, it was class, yeah. It was nice to see him after the game. Um... My mother is delighted because she missed my European debut, so she, at least she has the Irish one. Um, so she was, uh, all my family were delighted just to even get to a rugby game, to be honest, Kieran, because they've missed it that much. Um, 
like uh, you know yourself, all the junior rugby clubs have been shut down in every club in the country. So to actually get to a game and to see it live, they were delighted whether I was playing or not. Now was was another thing, but uh, no, it's pretty special to have them, you know. You treated him to another game the, the following weekend when Ireland hockey the USA, and that was your first start for Ireland. And in keeping with the season that you had, you ran over a try. So talk to me about that experience, starting the game for the for, starting your first senior Ireland game. And also scoring a try. Yeah, I know. Uh, starting the game is is different now to coming off the bench. So I knew I had a chance where I could showcase what I'm able to do, which was a great opportunity for me. And um, yeah, it was it's different. Eighty minutes. It was very tough first half. Um, there was a lot of ball and play time, but. Uh, it was a very enjoyable game. Um, I think there was a lot of lads making their debuts and a lot of lads putting their hands up for for maybe future selections. So it was good to be involved in that, you know. And a very special moment too. Finian Richley came off the bench to make his debut. And for the last 20 minutes, you two West Cartman on the pitch together, yourself and Finian. Like, that's that's a great moment. Like, your Munster teammates, you're both from West Cork. So to share that together as well is quite a special yeah, it was pretty cool. We share a birthday as well, which is another thing we share. So, uh, no, it was, it was it was it was class to have Fanine on the pitch with me and to share his debut with him was pretty cool. Um, like I said, we've been battling it out since we were under 15s, you know, skip Bantry and came through the same system. So, to do it together is is pretty cool and pretty special. Now that you have a taste for it, you've two caps to your name, you've your first start, you you would try. Um, I presume we want more and more and more with the Ireland setup. And I'm looking there at the, the announced recently to the Autumn Internationals, and there's a couple of big, tasty games in there. We're looking at New Zealand and Argentina in November as well. So is the motivation and target for you now to stay in that Ireland squad and, and show Andy Farr that you're good enough to play a part in this team? Yeah, obviously, I think that's everyone's aim that was up there is to, to get back into that room. Um, obviously, I'd love that, but focus now is getting back for pre-season and getting to my tip-top shape and, and ready for the season at Munster. I think we have six games before those internationals, so I have to try to prove myself again in that. Um, can't take anything for granted. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to be up there, but um, there's a lot of lads to come back from the Lions and, and lads back from injury, so competition will be, will be there as well, so I'm going to have to do what I can and, and impress with Munster, hopefully, and get, get back into that room. Do you feel that there's a lot more to come from Gavin Coombs? Like you're only 23 off the back of a superb season, but you feel you can build on that and just push on even more? Yeah, I'd like to think so anyway, Kieran. Uh, I'd like to think that this is only the start that um, next season, you know, I'll be, I'll be a, a regular again for Munster and, and hopefully kick on and, and get a few more Irish caps if possible, if not. You know, try and win something with Munster and, and really uh, this group of players at Munster try and cement a legacy for ourselves. How would you deal with the pressure and expectation that's now coming with the success you're enjoying on the pitch? You've or you've probably seen or heard that people are talking to you as the, or the replacement, the, the new Munster number eight. He can replace CJ, um, obviously legend of the game. So the, the better you do, the more is expected of you. Like, and how, do you how do you deal with that then, Gavin? Uh, I, I just take it week by week here, and but um, you know, I'm under no illusion. There's, uh, as you can see, Alex and Dellen's playing up the 20s. He's been phenomenal. Jack O'Sullivan's coming up behind me as well. He's another great player who had a great 20s campaign a few years ago, and I'm sure he'll he'll get his chance soon. And you know, there's always lads coming up behind you, so I can't uh, I can't rest on my laurels just because I've had one good season. You know, uh, CJ did it for nine years, so. You know, I'm going to have to go on and do it for 10 years now if, if I want to to be remembered like he is or, or have a career like he did. So, you know, like there's a lot of motivation there to, to keep going and keep pushing myself. I suppose learning from the likes of CJ these last couple of years and even Peter Vahney inside there now, like you're learning off the best in the business. So that's great for your development as well. Yeah, no, it is. It is. And I, I would have been learning off CJ and Pete since... I came into the academy at age 18, you know, they're, they're good guys, they're always willing to lend a hand, so to those lads have been on Lions tours if, in New Zealand as well, which is the hardest place to go, and you saw what they did there, so 
you know, to just pick their brains about experiences like that is, uh, you're always going to learn something from them, you know. It's now the off-season, a well-deserved rest after the campaign that you had you five weeks off before you returned to training. What will you do now just to switch off from rugby for a bit and recharge the batteries? Uh, I'm just going to just take it easy, Kieran. Um, I had surgery there, so just a small operation. So uh, I try to get back right now and then uh, get into training in a few weeks uh, just by myself. So a bit of running and some gym and stuff and hit the current running once I get back into into the high-performance centre in Limerick. Is it important too, Gavin, to switch off for a small bit just to take your mind off rugby and, and I don't know, kind of you told me before you listen to podcasts or even watch something on Netflix or go for a walk or just literally just take yourself away from rugby for for as much as you can. Is that is that important? Yeah, I, I think so. I, know I, I try to do it uh, as much as possible, you know, because well, when you're thinking of stuff, you're, you're adding more pressure into your head and and for me, that that doesn't really work for me. So I'd be more, I try to take a relaxed approach to things and and switch off once I get home or when I'm not watching training or whatever. Uh, I'm not thinking about the game that much, you know, and thinking about other things. And, you know, I just finished a degree in college there and that was a nice distraction for when I wasn't training now this year and stuff like that. So I think it's very important for lads to have things outside of the game that they can focus on so you know if things do go bad you can you can take your focus away from from what happened at the weekend or if things go good you you don't lose your head as well you know what I mean so did you study for a degree in college alongside the season that you had last year yeah I actually I split my final year so I only did I did half of it so it was manageable um and thankfully a lot of it was online as well which probably made it a bit easier so but it's done now and it's in the bag you're putting us all into shame with your, your work ethic, Kevin. I'm, I'm feeling quite inadequate right now. But I um, have to ask you too how Walter the Boston Terrier is because you introduced us to him in last, last year, Southern Star, when we were, when we were chatting. Um, Liam said uh, Walter was your idea. So how is Walter? He's very good, yeah. He's, uh, he'll enjoy the time off now where he's not sitting at home on his own while we're training. So mm. I'd say he's looking forward to a bit of company and the good weather. But no, he's good, thanks. Great stuff. No, I'm delighted to have you on the podcast, Gavin, and congratulations again. Like we said, you've had a tremendous season for, for Munster, and you've really put Skibbereen and West Cork rugby front and centre again. So rest up and best of luck next season. No worries. Thanks, Garrett. We all have dreams, but dreams by their very nature can be difficult to achieve. That's where Access Credit Union comes in. Whether it's going to college, owning a car or building your dream home, your local credit union can help you to fulfill your dreams. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Now, before we wrap up this week's Star Sport podcast, we're going to give a quick preview of what's coming up in this week's Southern Star Sports section. And Kieran, it's wall-to-wall hurling this week. Yeah, obviously with the hurling final on Sunday, the senior hurling final, that gets a Plenty of coverage. So we've the likes, we've interviews from last Saturday's press day with the likes of Noel Horgan, who's covered Cork Hurling for many years, given he's taken a game. Tom Lyons is in there too. Give a special look at Luke Mead, the Luke's own man who's flying the West Cork flag with, with the Cork hurlers. So there's plenty of Cork hurling in there this week for, for local sports fans to sink their teeth into. And um, have to talk about Rowan for a second as well. It's been on this podcast the last a lot over the last couple of weeks, and with good reason too. Looking at the heroics of the skid rowers at the Olympics in Tokyo. But this weekend at the National Rowing Centre, it's the Irish Rowing Championships and the skid Olympians are out in force. And there's some cracking races coming up on Friday with the, the men's uh, lightweight single and going up against each other there. You Paul O'Donovan against his fellow Olympic gold medalist, Fintan McCarthy, throw in Gary O'Donovan and Jake McCarthy for... for, for for good weeks as well, to four of the best lightweight scholars in the world going up against each other. Uh, incredible. Um, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday, loads of racing going on there. Loads of huge matchups. We have an interview with Emily Hegarty looking forward to the Nationals. And I also caught up with Orla Hayes of Skibbereen Rome Club as well. Orla won her first national title back in 2000, which is 21 years ago. And she's still going strong. She's um, she's entered in a couple of races this weekend in the Inter-Women's Double, as well as the Women's Senior Single. 
she's touch and go whether she go to senior single yet she go she says um, she needs divine inspiration because there's Olympians to beat the Bender, including um, Eva Casey, um, uh, sorry, including Lydia Heafy from Skibbering Road Club as well. But it's good stuff from Orla. So for all sports fans out there, just keep an eye on social media this weekend because the Irish World Championships will be red hot. Um, so loads in this week's star again, as well as all the usual local G action, the Cork ladies were... We're playing meeting the Ireland semi-final, you discuss the, the soccer and so on. So it's a packed one, Jack. Absolutely. Just like this edition of the podcast has been. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week. If you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, where we finally crossed, crossed the 1,000 subscribers threshold or wherever you get your podcast. That was a mouthful. Slán Tommel.